Welcome to the Love Good Podcast brought to you by our patrons. This is Jimmy Mitchell, your host. Join me each week as I sit down with artists and thought leaders to chat about music, culture, and what we call the art of being human. You see, Love Good's more than a subscription company. We're a movement of artists and patrons who believe in the power of beauty to evangelize our culture. And we're so pumped you're here. All right, we are officially in the two-week countdown to the biggest announcement in Lovegood history. I really mean that. We've had a lot of big announcements. It's easy to sort of be skeptical of that because everyone's always making an announcement about something, especially on social media. But, you know, we started in 2013 as Lovegood Music, and we were sort of like a glorified CD of the month club. Very well-intentioned, I assure you. We were funding a lot of really cool albums. We were coming alongside a lot of amazing artists. But it became very clear that Lovegood was bigger than just music. And so in 2017, we totally relaunched as Lovegood Culture. That's when we began the apprenticeship program. It's when we began publishing books and commissioning artwork and even curating coffee, okay, and apparel, all kinds of amazing stuff. But here's the deal. It's now 2021. The world has changed quite a bit in the last two years. And frankly, technology has changed and Lovegood has changed. And so what's coming in two weeks, again, the biggest announcement ever, is yet another transition, a massive and exciting step forward for Lovegood. It's kind of funny how this works, 2013, followed by 2017, now 2021. It seems that every four years, the Lord does something really big with Lovegood and taking it higher and I would dare say deeper. And again, we're two weeks away from that announcement, but today's episode with Dr. Ryan Hanning sets the stage. Okay, he and I chat about education, the importance of it, and how it is necessary for societal and human flourishing. We deep down and ultimately cannot be happy if we don't utilize the the gifts that we've been given, specifically the powers of our soul. And I'm talking about the intellect, the will, the passions. And of course, education begins with the intellect, the understanding and, and seeing with clarity what is true, what is good, and what is beautiful. And so I really hope that you enjoyed today's conversation with Ryan. Again, it sets the stage for the big announcement coming in two weeks. In the meantime, enjoy this beautiful little tune by Alana Boudreaux off her 2016 album Champion called Dismantled by Love. I ask you brothers, I ask you men for the love of all that's holy. Release the stallion trapped in its pen. Gain a thirst for who you should be It's better to be dismantled by love That's as pure as running water Than be soothed by a fire built on sterile desire You look so as to slaughter You look so as to slaughter Dr. Ryan Hanning, welcome back. I'm so excited. Like, it's like this weird, you know, almost nostalgia. Well, like, that like that mo- might be the last time I'll ever quite say it in that way. Welcome back, you know, yeah. love good podcasts. I mean, we've we've been dropping the hints. I think it's pretty well known that we're, we're going to have a season seven of the podcast. 
but it's going to be for the sake of launching an education yes. platform that you will be involved with, whether you like it or not. No, I'm excited. I'm, I'm super excited. I mean, you're a teacher by trade. You're a teacher really by vocation, way more so than me. You know, if, if anything, I've been a little bit more of an artist or missionary, even an evangelist at time, but but teaching is just part of who you are. I don't know. You you, you write like a teacher. It's awesome. It's I awesome. don't know about so, yeah, that. Yeah, I don't know no, about I like that. If, I learn, if, if that's true, then I learn from the best. Here's my question. Yeah. Why does education matter so much? You know, yeah. we had a conversation about the importance of incarnational yep. education about a year ago, maybe a little more than a year ago, yeah. because schools were finally opening up again post-pandemic or actually mid-pandemic at that point. We didn't have a vaccine yeah. at that at stage of the game. But what is it about education that is so foundational to a country like America, you know, and, and foundational to the human experience? A couple hundred years ago, I'm pretty sure most of the world was still largely illiterate. So yep. our notion of education being this widely available universal right is is still kind of modern as well. Yeah, John Adams said that a stable democracy is based upon educated populace, right? Mm. Like education is actually part of our our, our desire you know, the civilization. Now, it's interesting, though, if you look at you know, the church throughout history. So if you look at, you know, if I'm going back 2,000 years, the way that they understood the essentials of human flourishing, or there are four things, hmm. right? And this is, this is, this is something that, that, you know, within the Catholic church was sort of written and memorialized in the church fathers, but it was also in other sources, in Greek sources as well, pagan sources as well. But they were, you know, food, obviously, right? You need food, you need water, you need shelter and you need education. Yeah. So that that fourth mm. component within the history of the world was always seen as an essential good for human flourishing. Yeah. Now, what are the components of the education necessary to flourish? Well, you know, when the ancient Romans and Greeks talked about it, they were very specific that education was a civil education. It was the education necessary to be a member of Rome. So it meant the language. So you think of like Alexander the Great and Hellenization, that fourth component wasn't about some objective goods. Mm. It wasn't about goodness, beauty, and truth. It was about the very specific function of being a member of their community and society. Yeah. So it was a language, it was culture, it was food, it was all that. So that way, as they brought in other cultures, at least everyone had that baseline of education. You know, Christianity sort of saw it differently. You know, they saw education not just as a civil function, but as its necessary function to really fulfill your vocation, your human vocation, mm. right? Which meant in some way undoing the results of the fall. Yeah. So there's a spiritual dimension to education then for the last 2,000 years that's sort of deeply Christian, which mm. is, you know, we, we've fallen and without education, we won't understand who we are. Now, it's interesting that even the ancient Greeks saw this. So when Plato talks about education, even the word educare means to, to call out of. It's, it's, it's like remembering, you know, yeah. education is more like remembering who you are and the, the truth of the world than it is like learning something new. Now, fast forward 2,000 years and education is very different now. Right. Education, we tend to think of learning a technique or learning a skill, which education is, is about those things as well. So I think last time we talked, I just dropped, is that what they say? You drop an article. Uh -huh. I don't know if you say it with an article, like you drop an album, but with an article, <laughs> I don't think, I, I say you drop, it just sounds dumb. My daughter's going to give me, give me grief about this later. But I just read an article for Hearth and Field about just really you know, the essential role of parents in education, sort of the historical view of that. Subsequent to that, I published another article with Hearth and Field you know, where we looked essentially about you know, online education and the virtues and vices of online education. Mm -hmm. And the main one was this, is that if education is simply delivery of content, then you should have no issue with making that delivery more efficient. Right. right? 
But education is not just about delivery mm. of content, right? It's actually about sharing of persons. It's about sharing of ideas. It's about discussion. It's about relationship. So when we talk about education and its importance for a nation, we're not talking just about the Roman vision of education. We're not talking just about the modern vision of education, which is transmission of knowledge for a particular task. We're, we're talking about this, this much more inclusive vision of education, which is about helping a person know who they are, helping a person to understand what gifts they have and cultivating those gifts to be of service to others. Mm. Now that's both an economic reality and also a deeply, deeply communal reality. Mm. So when, when I have a student go through my class, I want them to leave my class. So say I'm teaching you know, modern philosophy. I want them to leave to know how, you know, let's say the interpretation of the reception of knowledge by Descartes has impacted other philosophers after him but I also want them to leave that class being a better person. Right. And those are not in contradiction to each other. Those are not mutually exclusive. They're not even in tension with each other because everything that we learn, provided that it's true, right, should, should lead us towards a better understanding of the world and our call to live within it. Mm. So from that perspective, education just becomes the backbone, yes, of civil democracy, but also of human flourishing and also even discipleship. Mm. So what are those base things you need to know about the world? Well, we can sort of start to go through them, right? Like, Okay, there is a God and it's not you, right? You have been given particular talents and aptitudes that other people in your immediate circle don't have. Mm -hmm. You will not develop those aptitudes or talents without hard work. And so, right? like, you know, you start going through all these and this is just basic knowledge. And then you get to the point where, okay, now I need to learn specific technique to facilitate these things. Right. But all of that sort of underneath as well is part of education. Mm. So it's about becoming human. Yeah. I love that. And for a long time, that was sort of one of our taglines. I yeah. stole it straight from you, the art of being human. Yeah. And what does it look like to cultivate? I stole it from somebody too. So it's perfect. Right. Yeah, yeah. It works out, you know, flattery, imitation, mm -hmm. we know what it's about, you know. And we never steal. And, you know, we always joke in, in, in the church and the life of faith, we never steal from each other. We just borrow. That's right. That's exactly you know, Without right. royalties, but we borrow. <laughs> well, one of my favorite priests of all time, Father Baker. Oh, yeah. He used to always say that, you know, I've never had an original idea in my entire life. Mm -hmm. You know, he's just constantly absorbing the ideas and the the great thoughts of people around him that he yeah. trusts, that he respects. That's certainly true. What I find so exciting, you know, now that we're kind of really landing the plan in the podcast and launching something that we've been talking about for years. I'm a little embarrassed how long it's taken us to get this education platform off the ground and running. Um, but it's come out of a, a deep discernment, but a growing demand amongst our patrons who... If they're anything like me, and many of them are, find that if they're not intentional, if they don't build in this sort of ongoing education and and thirst for knowledge and wisdom mm -hmm. and, you know, real formation that happens in the day in and day out of, of, of life, yeah. if they're not intentional, if they don't build it in, it ain't going to happen. It doesn't take much, you know, for most of us to just simply get caught up in the busyness of life. And the busyness of, you know, careers and families yeah. and and let's say so. I mean, we unfortunately we live in a culture in which if you're passive about what you consume and you're passive about what educates you, mm -hmm. you can quickly become malformed. That's exactly right. Yeah, you know, and we see this all all the time. Unfortunately, I don't worry just about what you know, crazy ideas might be propagated. You know, in various fringe groups or even mainstream in certain universities or whatnot. You know, those things worry me. But you know, those those are easy to sort of mm -hmm. deal with, right? I'm more worried about the passivity that people just imbibe. And we saw, 
we've seen a lot last year. These certain things that people will adhere to that just simply aren't true or yeah. are distortions yeah. or privations of the truth. Mm-hmm. So I think we have to really, I mean, we have to be very intentional about our education, very intentional about our formation. Mm-hmm. You know? It's an interesting sort of paradox though, because you think actually what's required is a is a receptivity, you know, mm-hmm. and, and a humility born of wonder, again, yeah. to use that phrase. And yet there's an active, engaged part of this yeah. that's totally essential. It's not going to just happen. And I think the problem with how many of us were educated as kids is we we did what it took to make the grade, yeah. you know, to get the diploma or to get into the college of our dreams or to get the job. It was a very utilitarian function. Well, and the thing about how artificial that is too. Mm-hmm. Like you know, we're everywhere where we find a school flourishing. And I have the I've had the opportunity to do a lot of the research on this, which is a lot of fun. I mean, for the last two years with with, with COVID and everything, a lot of the grants I facilitated, you know, I was the sort of the bona fide, you know, PhD in the room. And even though I'm, you know, trained as a as a historical theologian, I've worked within universities and, and, and private schools, even public schools for a long time. And taking that data, and what we find is that, you know, every time a school is flourishing or succeeding, it's usually because it's emulating the type of education that usually happens within a family and within a community. Yeah. Right. So the accoutrements, like a classroom, like they're not bad, but they're they're relatively new and, and somewhat artificial. Right. Mm. We do those things because they just create an environment that's more stable for the learning to take place. But those things aren't essential to education. Mm. We've we've really discovered this, I think, in, in the last several years. You know, look at the look at the sort of the, the number of of degrees, and so there's thirty eight thousand different jobs on the tax code. Like wow. that's insane. Wow. Yeah. And all the specialties that go to that. Well, education can't just be about how do I perform the certain you know, function of that job? It's gotta be broader. And, and the truth is that we receive in that type of education through family, through friends, and then intentionally mm-hmm. through programs that we trust to help us ask the right questions and find the right sources and really sort of chew on these ideas or in the words of uh, St. John Henry Newman, right? That the playful exchange of the mind, yeah. right? And, and so I think, you know, to have that vision of education is very different, right? Mm. So sure, there's a place for degrees. Sure, there's a place for classrooms. And those are all, those aren't bad things. But if we think of education only in those terms, mm-hmm. we are, we're being very modern and very specific to the last 40, 50 years. Yeah. So this is really leading to the, the big question. What are the key marks of a good education? Yeah. If it's not so much about the classroom yeah. or you know, even right now, I, I'm not so sure that, you know, the the, the curriculum is exactly what, I can point to and say, yep, that's the game changer. There's probably four or five key components or key hallmarks of a of a solid education that mm-hmm. cultivates this art of being human. But as soon as I'm, you know, at the faculty lounge and I hear the teachers debating yeah. pedagogy, I, I sort of like I zone out. You know, I know it matters. I know it matters. It and it's a worthwhile debate, you know. Or they have their end of the year curriculum institute. Again, like I kind of somewhere along the way can't stay interested long enough to engage. What is it though that keeps somebody like me reading three or four books a month? If it's not those things, if it's not the fact that I'm chasing after another diploma or even built in to the the classroom and, and accountability that comes with being educated with others. Like there's something that I received somewhere that developed a lifelong thirst for knowledge and wisdom and and living the fullness of my humanity well. I guess I still don't really know what that is. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a great question. And I mean, I'd, there's a lot of different approaches to it. And it's interesting because what I would say is that a lot of the modern approaches to it focus on 
you know, making up for the artificialness of the accoutrements, mm. right? Because we have a classroom, we have to have this very necessary conversation about what pedagogy works better in that classroom setting or because we have a certain density of students or because we have a certain variety of students, whatever the case might be. But if you look historically at education, I mean, all the way back to the ancient Romans, all the way to the early Christianity. So the, the first thing was on, on the person teaching, right? They had to be a credible witness, mm -hmm. which means they, they had to know their subject and understand why their subject was important, Yeah. right? So for instance, you know, imagine the scene, you, you walk into a classroom and the teacher says, you know, some people believe two plus two equals four. You're probably not going to learn a lot from that person. Mm -hmm. right? Some people believe, wait, <laughs> see there are two plus two. But you walk into a room and the math teacher says, like, I'm going to teach you the ordered operations of the world so that you can make sense of the patterns you see in your life. And let me tell you the story about how I got converted to math, right? All of a sudden, you're like, oh, okay, I, I might be able to learn from uh -huh, this person. Uh -huh. So first is the, the credibility of the teacher. Yeah. Two is, is the ability of that teacher to actually communicate as a witness, mm -hmm. right? The importance of the, the subject. Then the other side is on the student end, which is this docile receptivity mm -hmm. to it. And then the active part, and here's the active part. The, the first part is to test what they're saying. Mm -hmm. Is what they're saying true? Yeah. Right? Does it resonate with me? Mm -hmm. and, and if it is, great. If it's not, then, then, then that's when the discursive element comes up. Now I have to grapple with this either the teacher's right and I'm wrong. Uh, either I've misunderstood it or I'm right and they're wrong. Mm -hmm. And in, a, in a, an authentic education setting, that exchange is actually meant to happen yeah. in a productive, thoughtful, meaningful way. I mean, I think I've shared with you my first experience at Oxford. So I did my graduate degree in England, a very different experience, you know, at Maryville Institute, the first home, Catholic home of John Henry Newman, still there to this day, a phenomenal institute. And yeah, I went to Oxford several times when I was there to avail myself of the libraries. And in, in, in the UK, it's, it's an interesting situation when you're a research student because essentially all the libraries are available to you in, mm. in a quite remarkable way. I mean, like, like rare books and tea and crumpets in a beautiful hall type way. Like it's really, uh -huh. it's really pretty enchanting. Uh -huh. But yeah, I go to Oxford and I was at Oriel College, sent over there by Professor Holmes, who's a fellow of Oriel. And I was talking to a few guys down the quad Say, hey, tell me, tell me what 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 Oriel College is like. He says, Well, what do you mean? I go, like, what are your classes like? And he looked at me totally confused. And he goes, Oh, do you mean like lectures? I'm like, Yeah, yeah. So we'll walk me through. He's like, Well, let me just, it's oh, you're American. He's like, okay, we have a different way of doing things here. He's like, So at Oriel, we essentially show up, we're assigned a tutor. Uh, that tutor is responsible to make sure that what we're reading is forming our heart and mind. This is this is like a 20-year-old kid telling me this, right? Yeah. You know, and then we receive our books for the various courses we're enrolled in. And then we receive a, a schedule of lectures that are available if we feel we need them on those things. And he goes, and I go, oh, so you don't have to know? No, we don't have to go. We're tested at the end to see whether or not our tutor and our books have facilitated the, the need for knowledge. But the professors are there to really give us this, give us the thesis, give us the excitement, give us the passion why we should care. Mm. And I was talking about, so what's your favorite class? Goes, oh, we have this one professor. And he teaches essentially history, but specifically like earth science history, like the mm. history of geology, the history of the earth. And I go, oh, is that your subject that you're studying? He goes, oh no, all of us at Oriel receive the same degree. We're all doing a classics degree, such mm. as the undergrad. But we go to him because he's just the most on fire. Wow. And I'm like, wow, that's really telling, right? So I guess, mm. you know, one of the reasons I bring this up is because that's a very different model than what we think about education. And so mm. that the idea that the, the teacher is, is thoughtful and passionate, knows their stuff, yeah. is a credible witness, and this docile receptivity. But then what he said next was really interesting. He said, and when we don't understand something, we we end up having dinner with them because they eat together. The faculty mm. would eat with the students. So they never interrupt during the class. The professor just gives a lecture. But at dinner, 
in the pub, mm. at the lounge, that playful interaction. So what happens yeah. is that that component needs to happen, right? Where, where the students together can interact with each other, can think about this and test these ideas, even off their spouse, off their friends. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, when you ask what are the sort of the key components of education for it to really set in, those are some of the key components. Now, of course, we can go into pedagogy and technique and delivery and all that, but those are the core things that regardless of how it's delivered, whether it's in-person or online, whether it's synchronous or asynchronous, whether you know, you're, you're actively talking to the teacher or just watching a video, those are still the, the things that need to happen. Mm-hmm. Right? Credibility of the professor or the teacher, their willingness to convey the importance of the knowledge and their passion, the receptivity and the willingness of the student to test and actually do the work. Mm. When you have those things there, then, then you can really start to have a real education. And that yeah. real education can come from both what you receive and then also what that reception means in its application to your life. Mm. And, and so you know, in this, we find this sort of basic truth everywhere. Mm. Right? If you want to, if you want to become an electrician, you want to become a dentist, you want to be a doctor, you want to become a lawyer, any of the practical arts, whether it be a trade you know, or otherwise, this is kind of what happens. So when you think about your 10 kids and the hope that you have for their own education, yeah. which you are very involved with, obviously, because you all homeschool. But when you're thinking about what colleges they're even going to apply to, which sort of advanced degrees you would encourage yeah. them to pursue, you know, what are the main goals that you have as a parent, as the primary educator yeah. of your own kids, when you think about them one day standing on their own two feet, raising their own families or becoming... Yeah priests or religious or educators themselves. The reason I'm asking is because I think about the foundation I received during that one year at seminary. And in many ways, it was better than anything I got in the four years of high school or the four years of college. But it's all the kind of stuff that I think your kids probably received at a much younger age, simply because of the way that you and your wife raised them. What are those key truths? What are those key sort of philosophies that you want them entering into life with and having at the foundation of their intellectual understanding of the world that you would say, yep, these are top priorities in a Love Good Education platform, or these are top priorities in a four-year liberal arts degree. And not to discredit what I'm about to say, but to give full credit to my wife. (laughs) She is most of the education in the home and and the children benefit hugely from it. But the the overall trajectory that we both want for the children, we've had lots of discussions about, is we want them to have a love for learning. Right, first and foremost, a real this this really you know what you mentioned earlier this sort of you know this 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 beautiful humble this humility and wonder where when they see the world they see it not as a problem to be solved but as something to be in relationship with mm-hmm. and the question should be not how do I dominate or change how do I be in relationship with this thing how do I yeah. correct this wrong or or fall into you know right right relationship whether it be planting a tree or doing math or whatever the case might be so we want them to have that love for learning the desire to enter in. And the second thing we we want them to be able to take that learning and apply it in a meaningful way and how they make a gift of themselves to others. Mm. And that's the constant discernment. Okay. So if you think of, if you think of, you know, all knowledge, you know, in the positive and the negative, right. Knowledge about some, something you learn to be true or the knowledge that you learn to be false. If if that doesn't move from here to here, Mm. you haven't been educated. Mm -hmm. Right. And and so that's, that's what we want to happen to our children. Mm -hmm. We want our kids to be able to take what they're learning, see it as a gift and a gift that, that, just like the talents, must be used and applied appropriately. Now, of course, it's on a different level, right? You know, the Pythagorean theorem is important and is a gift in a different way than a knowledge of yourself. Yeah, because how does the Pythagorean theorem sink into the heart? But it does. This is a crazy thing. I mean, Tell me. You, well, read Euclid, and all of a sudden it'll make sense, right? One of the greatest books ever written is a book about math, right? So, you know, so these type of things, what it means is about that when I see this, I see it not as just a, a, a thing to be known so that I can, I can, you know, 
sort of win Jeopardy, but it's a thing that will actually impact my life. That's sure, all, yeah. right? This, this sort of, now again, a different order of operations in terms of different hierarchy, right? The Pythagorean theorem is probably here on what you need to know versus, you know, who you are, what you're called to, or what fills your heart with joy or breaks it with sadness. But, but nonetheless, that's the goal, hmm. right? The goal of education is never for just to reside up here. You know, otherwise, if that's the case, then, then everything is just about technique and everything is just about problem solving. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the, the fav my favorite lines, my favorite movie is Jurassic Park, right? You're so busy thinking about whether or not you could do it. You never thought about whether you should do it, right? This is where you sort of, true education is really about taking that knowledge and then receiving it as a gift, testing it, say, how can I apply this to my life? Certain things are not going to apply that much. Pythagorean yeah. theorem might only be applicable for your fourth grade test. Fine. Mm -hmm. But that's still the type of exchange that's happening. Did we learn that in the fourth grade? I think it was fourth grade. Wow. I think it was fourth grade. It's pretty old. I was just using the other day. I was pretty proud of myself. My son is, <laughs> is, is finally in the math that I actually understand. So I, I did horrible in math, but like geometry and trigonometry, I actually understand. Like it makes sense to me. <laughs> Calculus does not. And so anyway, so it's like, we were just doing that the other day. We we're doing like, you know, pi r squared and getting the circumference in the area and doing all that. And, and again, so like I receive that stuff to be able to utilize in my own life, mm -hmm. but that's not the only, right? It's, there, there, there's a deeper meaning behind it. So I think, you know, for me, a lot of modern education just sort of stays here mm -hmm. and is just about technique, right? Right. And that's, that's, that's not bad, but it's insufficient. Mm -hmm. It's not bad, but it's incomplete. Mm -hmm. And if it's left alone, it can quickly deform into something else, whether it be arrogance, pride, or, or you know, what we have the common problem with is applied technology without the thought of any ethics yeah. or the impact it'll have. Yeah. So. You know what's crazy? I'm having a flashback right now to a conversation that we had well over two years ago, pre-pandemic. It's you, Father Ryan, Adorjan, and I sitting down over coffee and breakfast. Talking at, about uh, Jurassic Park? No. no okay. <laughs> talk, talking about <laughs> a curriculum that didn't exist yet at the time, it was going to be, in a sense, like chapters of a book, right? Yeah. But in a sense, foundational principles in this art of being human and this really playing our part in the renewal of culture in yeah. these times. And I suppose now that we're really getting down to where the rubber hits the road, it's going to be exciting to to watch these courses unfold in the, in the months and years ahead to realize that from day one, we have been a philosophical movement. You know, and there has been a, a a wild and beautiful journey with artists and with musicians and countless patrons down to the years across at least seven or eight different countries that we know of. Um, and at the heart of it, even when we didn't yet have the language for it, was this shared desire to live the fullness of our humanity mm -hmm. well, to recognize the role that certainly music, books, and art play in that, but to engage in an ongoing formation and, and education where we're never done asking these big questions, right. uh, never done captivating the world around us, you know, by God's grace with what it really means to live a full life and a human life and a virtuous life and ultimately a, a holy life. Right. And there's, there's no escaping this need for constant growth and, and constant sort of vulnerability that leads to the kind of depth of personality and 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 just embrace of personal mission and calling that I think we all long for and that the world is crying out for. So we're pumped. This is going to yeah. be an exciting next step for all of us. And you know, I say that you know having an opportunity to to dive into these deep questions isn't had a whole lot now. 
I mean, so much of our education is focused on these sort of economic and material outcomes. Mm-hmm. I just read and reviewed a book by Rory Groves called Durable Trades. Beautiful book. You can read the, the article on Hearth and Field. And we actually interviewed him as well. But he walks through, you know, what trades have sort of stood the test of time. And so he has this sort of top 20 list and then some honorable mentions. And what you find in that book is that really when it comes down to it, the things that are most important, even, even fulfilling the economic functions of a job or a career, really come down to having these basic foundation things sort of you know, met and resolved in the heart. Mm-hmm. Desire for goodness, desire for truth, desire for beauty, this interaction and participation in God's plan for your life, this you know, sort of dependence on grace, but this not over-spiritualization of grace, this recognition that you receive it and now called to respond. I mean, all these things, the, the critical questions, what is a good person? You know, how do I live? All these questions are at the base of everything else. Mm. And so I think very rarely do people have an opportunity to dive into an education specifically on the art of being human. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and here we are eight years later taking it for granted. Certainly I do yep. some days. But these are not normal conversations that people uh, even know how to navigate, yeah. much less initiate. So looking forward to it, Ryan. Uh, much to come. Thank you for the incredible privilege that it has been to be on this journey now with you for years. I mean, you began as, I suppose, a, a friend and a, and a patron and it was me coming to Phoenix and it was you coming to Nashville and Birmingham. And then you move into Nashville and now yeah. I'm trying to get you down to Tampa. And then, and it's just, then you left Nashville. This That's is so how it goes, yeah. you know, yeah. but I can only hope and pray this is the beginning of great things to come. And uh, it's been a privilege to be on that journey with you for so long now. Yeah, likewise. Well, see you soon. Can't wait. Don't let me go. That wouldn't say that I was well But there's a certain sickness That's better than health Cause every day was another way Trying to get back to the dream Of the summer song If I get it wrong You can find it in the Easter school It's All right, I know I'm dropping lots of hints these days about the future of Love Good. And again, stay tuned because in two weeks, big, big announcement coming. But I do hope that this conversation with Dr. Ryan Henning today about education and the importance of the intellect, it really stirred something in you. I know it certainly does in me whenever I ponder, okay, I'm way out of the required education necessary for doing the kind of work that I do. You know, e- even recently, I, I I got a master's in theology, but that was really just kind of for fun and very much on the side. When I graduated from college, I never thought I'd go back to school again. And yet there is this need for ongoing intellectual formation and ongoing pursuit of what is true, good, and beautiful. And that's everything that Love Good stands for. It's also everything that our future is going to not only protect but expand upon like never before. So next week, I'm sitting down with Father Ryan Adorjan. Can't wait for that. But know that the following week, I'm sitting down with Marisol. She'll be Marisol Ross at that point. And this will not just be her last episode on season six. This will be her last episode on the podcast ever. And with that comes the announcement of this very exciting, very beautiful, and very, I hope for all of us, enriching future for Love Good. And it's going to very much, for our patrons, come as no surprise. You guys have been, I think, waiting for this day for years now. 
But for some of our listeners who have never subscribed as patrons, you're in for a real treat and possibly even a big surprise. So tune in next week, tune in the week following, and know that we are very much praying for you guys and always grateful for your prayers as well. God bless you. Hope you're enjoying this great month of October and we'll see you next week. Peace. Thanks for listening to the Love Good Podcast. Share this episode link on social media, leave us a review, and join our movement today by subscribing as a patron at joinlovegood.com. You'll start enjoying our premium content and seasonal packages that not only raise your standard for music, books, and art, but that also inspire you to evangelize culture through beauty. We can't wait to accompany you as you change the world.